Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. All right. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. And as always, I make a pitch. Join us during the week. Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow. 4 to 5 p.m. every day. All folks are welcome. And we're going to do some stock market work. We've got Mike Ozanian of uh, Forbes Magazine and the Yes Network, and we have Jim LeCamp of Morgan Stanley. So welcome, folks. I'm broadcasting from an undisclosed location in West Palm Beach, Florida. Not really sure what's going on. Half, ex- <laughs> half exhausted from a couple days down here. But it's interesting, stock market going sideways, interest rates, uh, market rates coming down. Uh, but I want to raise this point. You know, uh, you've got an inverted curve, gentlemen. Um, the classic New York Fed, uh, T-bill versus 10-year. That was the Fed model. If that inverts, you got a recession within a year. All right. The T-bill is at 423. The 10-year is down to 383. It got as high as, I don't know, four and a quarter, maybe even higher than four and a quarter. I just find this very interesting. Uh, the Fed's going to continue to tighten, maybe maybe not 75, maybe they'll do 50 in December, but they're still going to be tightening policy. The M2 money supply is, is, is cr- I'll use the word, it's crashing. It was up 30% uh, by the early part of 2021. It's now flat or slightly negative in, in growth. It's contracting, in other words. So I want to try to figure all this out. Michael Zane, I know you watch the M2 money supply. Uh, few people do nowadays. I, I give it a look. I'm not the monetarist that I was 30 or 40 years ago. But you can't ignore that, and you've got an inverted curve. So what does this tell you? I think we're going to have a recession probably first quarter 2023, Larry. Um, I think what you're seeing in the money supply is leading into what you're seeing in, I guess we call it core GDP, personal consumption, business investment, and home building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's last quarter, just a 0.1% pace uh, versus the traditional GDP of 2.6% annual rate. So I think, I think it's leading there. And I think for lack of a better term, the easy work on inflation has kind of been done already, but mm-hmm. to get it below you know, anything close to 2% is going to be much harder, which is why, you know, you're seeing what's happening with M2. And um, we're, we just got a very bad uh, report from IBIS, which tracks earnings estimates. And it's saying for the first time in two years, they're predicting fourth quarter earnings to decline. Oh, so, wait a uh, second. I had not seen this. Tell us more yeah. about this. Because... Profits are the mother's milk of stocks, but profits are the lifeblood of the economy. You're not going to grow the economy if profits are shrinking, right? Businesses are going to have to lay off 
et cetera, et cetera. Now, t- what, tell us more about IBIS. Uh, IBIS is saying that not only that, but they're saying estimates not only have been falling for 2023 quarters as well. And uh, this was a very sort of under-the-water radar story that came out late Friday uh, yeah. by Reuters. Yeah. And along with this disappointing IBIS report, uh, they said that Goldman Sachs recently cut its 2023 S&P 500 earnings per share growth forecast to zero mm. due to weakening profit margins. And as we know, those profit margins uh, have, have been really the, the key to the earnings growth over the last few years because they've been at record highs. So I, you know, I am a big follower of them, too, and I'm also – uh, a big follower of corporate profits because that, as you mentioned, leads into everything: wages, uh, capital expenditures, dividends, really, really everything. So, I, I, I took this took this as a uh, a pretty bad sign. Boy, that's a very interesting report, Jim LeCamp. What do you make of that? I mean, you look at uh, earnings expectations for 2023, and you get anywhere from two hundred dollars to. Uh, I'm just going to make up a number, $250. Now, let's apply a 15 multiple to that, and you're under where we are right now. So it's hard to get bullish about the market. There's only one bullish thing going on with the market right now. Well, there's two. There's th- Well, there's three. <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's a pessimism that is extraordinarily high. Uh, we, we saw record numbers of uh, on the put-call ratio the other day. Uh, that's bearish in the very short term. It, it doesn't really speak to the long term. You have seasonality, uh, which particularly after midterm elections is is pretty positive. And then and then and finally you have uh, sheer buybacks. Uh, but beyond that, it's hard to get bullish about anything. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at um, uh, the five Fed um uh, surveys and you see a, a tremendous downturn there you look at capital expenditure expectations you see a tremendous downturn there as well you see layoff plans they're accelerating uh it's really hard and then and then uh the consumer savings rate which has plummeted and is at very very low levels and so it, it's hard to get to anything but recession uh, and, and of course you dovetail that with the inverted yield curve uh it all points to recession. So the only thing that you can do here is maybe tactically trade this market when a pessimism gets too high, uh, as we did in August, you get a rally, uh, and then it disappoints. And so all you can do is tactically trade the market. Beyond that, you're you're better off buying a a three-month treasury, one-year treasury, and getting over 4% and just waiting waiting for things to fall apart, and then you pick up the pieces. And and that's where I think investors have to look here. Well, four and a quarter, that's an interesting point. Four and a quarter percent uh, three-month T-bill is not nothing. No, no and, and, and you're, 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 you've seen inflation fall. Mm-hmm. And the, the good news here is that it, the, the inflation figures are falling and energy prices are finally falling. And I don't know how the Fed – thought they were going to cure inflation without uh, headline inflation, which they seem to be really worried about, without energy prices falling. But now now they're, they've been falling. I don't know how far they're going to fall. You've got a buyer in the federal government at 80 bucks, 
and uh, you have uh, capital expenditure plants in the energy patch that are still very, very low, and you've got China reopening. So I I don't know how far energy prices are going to fall, but they're not going to fix inflation unless they fix energy. Uh, But what bothers me, Larry, is the Fed itself. I mean, you've got this jalopy. And the, the Fed is oversteering on and running us into the ditch when we get too hot. And then they oversteer, and then they're going to run us into the ditch because we're going to be too cold. And they, they're the big monster in this whole economy. And, yeah, they're, they're raising rates, but it takes a while for these rate hikes to work their way into the economy. And they don't wait to see the effect of their actions until they've already raised rates three or four more times and by then, it's too hard to undo, and that's why we have this uh, oversteering issue. Mm. And I, I, I really think the Fed is clueless here. I, I don't see how, in an unprecedented time, when we've printed 40% more right. money than we've ever had over All a right. two-year time frame, Let's get and, and we've had record levels of quantitative easing, I don't know how they think in this unprecedented set of moves that they can casually unwind it. Mike Ozanian, the Fed doesn't look at the money supply. I mean, actually, um, Jay Powell has mocked the money supply. And I I just wonder, man, they, they could be – events are or may already be in – I mean, they, they've started their quantitative tightening, all right? We used to call that the monetary base. They're starting to shrink the monetary base. Probably going to do a lot more. What is it? They're still doing ninety-five billion a month, I think, something like that, in runoffs. But if the M two has meaning, I mean, sometimes you know, in past decades it hasn't, but in the last few years it seems to. If it has meaning, Mike Ozanian, we're in for a hell of a bad time of it because the crash in M two is going to crash the whole economy. Yeah, and I. I... To not how a central bank cannot look at the money supply is beyond me. I also got a long sense that they never really looked at commodity prices either. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, the Taylor rule or any of that, and that really goes down to the value of the dollar. I mean, all of this purchasing power is is the key, and by not looking at the money supply, I mean we've basically had easy money. For so long right now, at least through the almost the financial crisis of 0708. So to Jim's point, you know this this is why uh, it's going to be very very difficult, and we're going to have some severe pain uh, to unwind easy money for two decades. It's mm. it's not going to happen, you know, in three or four or five months. It's it's going to take a while. And again, I go back to contracting M2. Always in the past, when you've had that. You've had uh, downturns in the economy when you've had severe declines in M2 for a serious period of time. I mean, history doesn't lie. I mean, that's just the way it is. So uh, I and I think that's starting to be reflected in in that core GDP number, which was basically just about zero last quarter. So I I think it's it's already kind of here. And I think it's going to really rear its ugly head in early 2023. So monetary contraction and profits contraction is a very difficult scenario for the stock market. I don't care how you cut it. Anyway, let's take a break and come back and talk about the implications of this. Jim LeCamp, Senior VP at Morgan Stanley, Mike Ozanian, Assistant Managing Editor of Forbes Media, 
and co-host of the great Forbes Sports Money Show on Yes Network. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. The Larry Kudlow Show on 77 WABC. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. We're talking stocks with Jim LeCamp of Morgan Stanley and uh, Mike Ozanian of Forbes Media and uh, uh, Forbes uh, Sports Money on Yes Network. Great show. Uh, one thing, we I don't know if I mentioned it or not. I'm such a space cadet, but the leading index, uh, leading economic indicators put out by the conference board has just fallen for the eighth straight month. Just put that out there. I can't remember if I said that or not, but that's another uh, bad sign for the whole story. So, uh, Jim LeCamp, given your pessimism, both you guys are very pessimistic today. Not unwarranted, mind you. I'm just saying that you're pessimistic. Uh, what does an investor do in this uh, shorter run? Jim, you there? Hello, hello. Mike, are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm all here. Right. Um, so, uh, we seem to have lost the camp. Maybe we'll pick them okay. up. With, but it's all and yours. I have to apologize. I have Can to you apologize, hear me? Larry, too. Uh, I may be a little pessimistic on that just because the Yankees haven't re-signed Aaron Judge yet. That may be paining <laughs> me a little bit, but I was just throwing that caveat out there. Um, I'm going to do a little, uh, a little arbitrage. Uh, one of the most brilliant people we've had the last several decades, John Malone, mm -hmm. uh, chairman of Liberty Media. He announced a few days ago that he's going to uh, – the board of Liberty Media has approved changing uh, Liberty Braves, which is the tracking stock for the Atlanta Braves baseball team, hmm. and their ballpark and the mixed-use real estate around it, which is like hotels, commercial areas, and so forth – to an asset-backed company. Now, basically, that means it's going to be a regular corporation. I think what that means is that sometime, perhaps by early 2024, he's going to sell the Atlanta Braves and everything. Oh. And I, I think there's an arbitrage play here because if you look at the total value, the enterprise value of the tracking stock, it's just a shade under $2.1 billion. Now, as we know, the Mets a couple of years ago sold for like $2.4 billion. Yeah. Uh, the Braves alone are worth $2.1 billion. So I think it's a great play here. If you go in with the tracking stock, basically, by my math, if he does sell the baseball team in 2024, you're basically going to get all that real estate and commercial, uh, those commercial assets for free. I think it's a great, great tracking stock. And I think you do worse than bet with John Malone as well. How do you buy? You can just is it traded on the exchanges? The yeah, tracking stock. Yeah, you could buy the the tracking stock. It's gone up uh, the last two days since the announcement, huh. but still, as of Friday's close, even with that increase, the value of the tracking stock is far below, in my opinion, where the sale of the mm. team and the real estate would go wow. uh, if you were to sell it. So I think it's an interesting arbitrage play. Am Jim I back or am yeah. I back on? Okay, I good. I think you've returned from the outer <laughs> spaces. Uh, what do you how how do you suggest playing this monetary contraction, profits contraction, right? Leading economic indicators, indicators down eight straight months contraction. What do you do here? 
Well, if you look at all the averages and you uh, showed the uh, trend line to a sixth grader and you asked them which way those trends were going, all of the major averages, the sixth grader would say, well, they're going down. So they fit, they, all the markets are, are failing the sixth grader test, and, and they'll continue to do so unless they break above the 200-day moving average, which has been stout resistance. So uh, we're uh, playing a very hedged uh, portfolio right now. We're short the dollar. Uh, just because positioning got so heavy in the dollar. And that's kind of what we're doing is we're looking at positioning and kind of going the other way. Uh, there was a trade uh, for some of the China shares. But as I said the last time I was on, Larry, bear markets are like Stephen King books, and everybody gets killed in the end. So uh, you, you can be, you know, you can buy defensive areas if you want to, but they're gonna, at the end of the day, they're going to go down too. So I think you have to raise cash um, and 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 take advantage of higher short-term rates and just wait for things to get cheaper. By the way, why is the dollar falling? I, the positioning got way, way, way too heavy. And then as the economic data started deteriorating, uh, then you saw rates start to come down on the 10-year Treasury, et cetera. And so uh, I, I think when you have over 90% of position traders that were long, it's a good, a good time to go the other way. Well, you can't kill yourself. I mean, I know everyone's going to lose, but there is such a thing as a longer term uh, Mike Ozanian. I mean, let me ask you this. We haven't talked about any politics. So the Republicans have taken over the House. They're going to have 222 votes, which is um, just as good as Pelosi had when she jammed through a lot of very bad legislation. At a minimum, they're going to stop the bad stuff. They might put some pressure on Biden, by the way, for energy security, which is what I'm hoping would happen uh, uh, change this uh, Green New Deal socialism into something more productive. I mean, maybe that's a bullish uh, indicator. And and just in general, the market does like split Congress, right? Uh, and you got checks and, checks and balances are emerging. Kevin McCarthy will be the new speaker. I mean, that's um, that's a plus, isn't it? Over, if you go through history, the market has performed best under split Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a fact by the data. Um, so even if you get nothing passed, I take that as a somewhat of a bullish sign because basically, to me, that could mean a lot less spending. Uh, I think long term, the best thing that the Republicans can do is they could bring up vote after vote on issues, things that they're for, i.e. Mm -hmm. tax cuts, marginal tax cuts, mm -hmm. i.e. keeping the depreciation rate, mm -hmm. i.e making us energy independent. And you know what? Let the Democrats vote them all down. Mm -hmm. Let that happen. But at least then in two years, when we have another presidential election, we, we can say, we voted for this, we voted for this, we voted for this, and the Democrats voted it down. I believe Bob Dole did something very similar pr prior to Ronald Reagan's uh, first election. Mm. And because this whole thing, what, what concerns me now on the political side is, I'm getting a sense that the, Rep the Republicans have come out and said, oh, we're going to start investigating President Joe Biden. I don't think most people give a hoot about that. Mm. I think what most people care about is my job, my wages, my purchasing power. What can I buy? And I think they need to hear clear, distinct 
points from Republicans on specific things they would do that would impact the economy. And if they get voted down, so be it. But it's specific things that they can then point to in two years and say, this is what we stand for. This will make your life better. But the Democrats stood in the way. Yeah, particularly I mean, look, energy prices, particularly it, that. That's where uh, low-income people get hit the hardest. No, that's a good point. Look at, I think that H.R. 1 should be an energy security bill, which restarts permitting and pipelining and refining, you know, and production. So that's right. And what Mike Ozanian is saying is very important. What you're, what you're suggesting, Mike, and by the way, I've talked about this all week on the TV show, the Republicans need a real growth and prosperity agenda. And as you say, if President Biden wants to veto that, he will do so at his and the Democrats' own political risk uh, come 24. That's exactly right. And I might add, 24, the Democrats have to defend two-thirds of their seats. This time around, the Republicans had to defend it in the Senate. It's much uh, better when... Uh, you know, if you, if you don't have to defend so many, you'll hold on to them. Anyway, uh, thank you, gentlemen, Jim LeCamp and Mike Ozanian. I appreciate it. 